Section sixteen of the Seen and the Unseen by Richard Marsh. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sonia. Seven. The Assassin. Chapter three. Monsieur and Madame Gerbert lived, it seemed, au cinquième. Mr. Kennard and Mr. Nash were conscious that, as they mounted higher, they seemed to be leaving even cleanliness behind them. The last staircase was in a state of almost dangerous dilapidation. The plaster was coming in great patches off the wall. Mr. Kennard hesitated before he knocked at the unpromising-looking door. If I had had any idea that things were so bad as this with him, he murmured, hang me if I would have suggested coming. What a brute he must suppose I am. Mr. Nash was, as he was too apt to be, sententious you must never infer how a frenchman lives or where from his appearance at his cafe they knocked three times and still there was no answer mr kennard was about to propose a retreat when monsieur gerbert himself opened the door enter gentlemen they entered somewhat solemnly when they were in monsieur gerbert stood with his back to the door you see gentlemen this is my little apartment i told you it was a little apartment did i not he had done so but not how little nor how bare it was of furniture the room was a mere cockloft it was lighted by a tin lamp which stood upon an old wooden table this table a bed in a corner and a chair or two was practically all the furniture the place contained it was not only the abode of poverty it seemed to be the abode of actual destitution still standing with his back to the door monsieur gerbert took an obviously wry-mouthed pleasure in openly avowing the fact i heard you knock gentlemen three times why did i not open because i was ashamed i have had the pleasure of your acquaintance now two years you have known me as a gentleman as one of yourselves you may well believe that i felt it difficult when the moment came to prove to you that after all i was only a beggar and lived in a loft my dear gerbert stammered mr kennard his friend was readier my very dear fellow you don't suppose that you are the only man who has known what it is to be hard up why i myself have slept in a doss house and i've been glad to have the fourpence to do it with i understand you i thank you monsieur nash i am now worse off than you were as they say in the fairy tales once upon a time my dear gerbert blundered mr kennard if you had only hinted if you had only told me he got no further monsieur gerbert continued after a fashion of his own if i had only told you what you see i still have clothes i have a decent coat it is true i find my shoes begin to want a little careful touching and i do not care to allow my shirt to become too prominent but so long as i could bear myself with decency what was there then i should have told you you must forgive my saying that i should have told you nothing now if you had not in a measure forced me to confession but i seem to be lacking in hospitality i have often been to your apartments it is the first time you have come to mine i beg of you to make yourselves entirely at your ease mr kennard was already tousling his hair as was his habit when disturbed and and madame gerbert my wife is gone gone gerbert what do you mean she went from me this morning that is what i mean 
but have you no notion where she's gone to how should i have a notion she was free to go where she chose as free as air oughtn't you to make inquiries to serve what purpose i know little it is true but what i know is more than enough i know that she has become tired of me of my poverty of this he stretched out his arms on either side of him she is but a young girl a young girl soon becomes tired it is only natural but i am too much of an egotist i weary you with trivialities you must excuse me if i do not offer you to eat or to drink i beg of you not to require from me two particular reasons for my seeming inhospitality mr nash was seated as much at his ease as if he had been paying the most commonplace of calls he watched monsieur gerbert as though he found him unusually interesting if only as a study mr kennard wandered about the room every now and then he ran his hand through his hair he paused before a little shelf which was fixed against the wall the only thing upon it was a photograph he took this in his hand and half absent-mindedly began to look at it suddenly his wits seemed to cease wool-gathering his eyes flashed the expression on his face betokened keen attention he took the photograph to the table bending over so that the lamp might show him more plainly what it was that he was looking at who's this he was staring as if he experienced a difficulty in crediting the evidence of his own senses why it's the assassin m gerbert had momentarily turned away at the sound of mr kennard's voice he turned again i beg your pardon it's the individual who found life an insupportable burden m gerbert went to the table he saw what mr kennard was holding that is the portrait of celestine of my wife your wife your wife mr kennard's voice rose almost to a roar this is the girl who came to me this morning and who in exchange for ten thousand francs offered to kill the president m gerbert's eyes visibly dilated he caught at the edge of the table as if to help him to stand are you sure sure taking his host by the shoulder as he shouted each new insult mr kennard shook him as if he had been some naughty child you little mountebank you tailor's dummy you shell of a man in his excitement mr kennard actually lifted his host right off his feet and held him up before him in the air with your attitudinizing and the rest of your folly you've driven that little girl who loves you as only a woman can love a fool to try to gain for you a wretched ten thousand francs in exchange you little ass for her own life mr nash came and laid his hand upon his impulsive friend's arm steady you thus recalled to himself and to the conventions of civilized society mr kennard replaced his host upon his feet upon the floor monsieur gerbert seemed so taken aback by the treatment he had received as to be able for the moment to do nothing but pant and gape in the sudden silence a pass-key was heard being inserted in the door without it was opened a woman came in it was the woman who that morning had visited mr kennard alphonse she exclaimed what is it she caught sight of mr kennard and knew him monsieur you kennard mon dieu 
she crouched back against the wall as if she would shrink right through it if she could one could see that she was trembling in every limb her veil was up so that one perceived that even the muscles of her face were trembling in the uncertain light she looked more childish even than she had done in the morning mr kennard moved forward my child he said no no she put up her hands as if to ward him from her alphonse alphonse do not let him touch me it was pitiful to see her it almost seemed as if it was these three men against this one little girl in the face of her too obvious aversion mr kennard all at once was tongue-tied as usual mr nash was more self-possessed than his friend he touched his host gently on the arm gerbert may i beg from you the honour of an introduction to madame Monsieur gerbert appeared to be struggling with a waking dream as his faculties returned with a slight gesture he as it were brushed mr nash aside permit me he advanced till he stood quite close to the woman cowering against the wall he looked at her for a moment in silence ah it is you he turned to mr kennard i believe mr kennard that you are a larger man than i on the other hand and at the same time it is true i am a beggar the big man was evidently in a state of mental confusion he had eyes only for the girl quivering against the wall my dear gerbert upon my soul i beg your pardon won't won't you introduce me to madame gerbert to madame gerbert clasping his hands behind his back monsieur gerbert fell into a pose which if we are to believe the painters was a favourite one of the first napoleons it appears that you already are acquainted with madame gerbert the acquaintance is of an informal kind so i should imagine the red-haired little man addressed himself to his girl-wife his words seemed to make her quiver as if they had been so many lashes from a whip so it is you i thought that you had gone alphonse was all she said i imagined when this morning you left me that you observed that you never would set eyes on me again alphonse you told me a few things but was it because you forgot that you omitted to tell me that so soon as you were outside my door you were going to pay a visit to a strange man alphonse the woman put up her hands to cover her face mr kennard grasped his friend's arm with perhaps unconscious vigour i shall murder this little brute in a minute he murmured as he whispered a response mr nash disengaged his arm from his friend's too vigorous grasp did i not tell you that the french have their own point of view and that we have ours Monsieur gerbert had continued to gaze in silence at his wife as if moved with the courage of desperation taking her hands from before her face she ventured to make an attempt to offer some sort of plea in self-defence alphonse i did it for you for me Monsieur gerbert tapped his hand against his breast it was for me that you paid a visit to a strange man it was a little plot which i had formed to gain for you the ten thousand francs of which you know you are in need i had thought to gain them for you in exchange for my life so that my death might be worth something to you though my life had been worth nothing at all and alphonse husband 
i have only returned to tell you that i think i have gained for you the sum which you require the sum which i require my wife at what price the strangest smile flitted across the girl's face as she held out her hands and answered what does it matter to you nothing at all to me everything i have my good name i i have my honour Monsieur gerbert crossed his arms upon his chest already because of you my honour has been dragged in the dust your english friend has used me as if i were a thing of the gutter here in my own apartment mr kennard interposed i do assure you my dear gerbert that it was a misunderstanding a misunderstanding four foot six glowered up at six foot four before the pygmy the giant seemed to cower it is a misunderstanding monsieur kennard which can only be explained with your life or with mine alphonse my husband the girl advanced the man shrank back madame gerbert have the goodness not to defile me with your touch to the other things which you have brought me it but remained to add dishonour that also you have brought me last of all since therefore you have lied to me and have returned to crush me into eternity with the last offering of your shame which unfortunately because it is yours a thousand times more is mine for me it but remains to go Monsieur gerbert made a movement towards the door mr kennard caught him by the shoulder gerbert don't be a fool in an instant Monsieur gerbert was like a wildcat in a frenzy leaping up at mr kennard he attacked him literally tooth and nail he poured forth language which was not only unparliamentary but also unprintable the big man in his turn was so taken by surprise that he made not the slightest attempt even at defence the first paroxysm of his fury exhausted the little man stamped on the floor and shrieked with rage if i had but a pistol he screamed his wife who was standing a yard or two away from him took something from the pocket of her dress i have a revolver she said she proved it by discovering that she had such a weapon in her hand it was probably the same one with which in the morning she had kept mr kennard at a distance mr nash called out to his friend keep tight hold of him you don't let him get near it for your life madame gerbert turned to him with that air of simple seriousness which was so like the exaggerated seriousness of a little child it is not for my husband it is for me before they had a suspicion of her purpose she placed the barrel of the revolver against her brow and fired it was done so quickly that although mr kennard rushed forward while the words were still as it were upon her lips he was only in time to put his arm about her body as it was falling dead end of section sixteen